Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You guys ready for the word? Let's get into the word. I, I'm, I'm excited to share this out of Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I'm very excited about what God's about to do at Emerge this week. And then we have Pastor Jurgen preaching next Sunday right here, fresh off of Emerge. So he's going to be ready to literally tear the roof off this place. So it's going to be amazing. Get ready for that. But um, this message, I would say, feels more timely to the overall season we're in and almost the lead up to Easter that we're in because I feel God is wanting us to stir up our understanding about our role, our mission, our privilege, our mandate to show our city Jesus. And so this message is, our city wants to see Jesus. That's the title of this message. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Uh, he didn't stay there because there was a curse on Jericho from before anyway, so Jesus wasn't really kicking it there. He's passing through. Verse 2, he says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, uh, or when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he invites himself over for dinner. And it says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to, he's gone, uh, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, this is a big statement, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, this is a tax agent. This is basically the IRS. Imagine if the IRS came and made it a general announcement to the nation. Hey, if I've cheated anybody out of anything and... How many in here basically feel like that's what's been happening in your life anyways? Come on, somebody. How many need the IRS to get a Zacchaeus moment? Come on, somebody. Somebody prophesy because other than transportation and national security, our government is robbing us legally through taxation, and it's unacceptable. Just want to go on record as making that note. Um, I don't know how you can be an entrepreneur and be a liberal. To be honest, I'm just going to say that, Okay. Because like liberals like love taxes and love big government. And so you can't have obviously created your own company. Because uh, as soon as you see taxes, you're like, ah, we need smaller government. Okay, so anyways, moving on. Um, so Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. 
So I love this about Jesus, and this is the mission, right? He's here to seek and save, right? He's here to look for those who are away from him, those who are far from him, anyone who has not yet come into the family, anyone who's not yet accepted what Jesus has done on the cross, he is on a rescue mission. He has left heaven. He came to earth to reach the lost, to reach every single one that he would call to himself that is away from God. And everyone in Carlsbad right now, now, guess what? Jesus is actively doing that exact thing, seeking and saving, right? And Encinitas, guess what he's doing? Seeking and saving. Come on. In Carlsbad, in Oceanside, in Bressy Ranch, everywhere he is seeking and he is saving. This is the mandate that he has. It's the mission that he's on. And this is what's happening with Zacchaeus. And I love this story. And I think there's a couple things about it that kind of apply to uh, our city. That, that happened in Zacchaeus' life. So here's the first thing is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to just get a glimpse. You know, he'd heard about him and he knew Jesus was coming by. So he was like, man, I, I got to see this for myself. I want to get a, a, a glimpse of who Jesus is. And as he does that, he goes to the place where Jesus is going to be coming by and he's too short so he can't see. But he had a desire to see Jesus right? And I think sometimes we can assume with all the chaos or confusion or pain or brokenness in the world that's around us, that that means that there's some big indicator that people don't want Jesus. But actually the greater pain and dysfunction is actually an indication of the desperation of the heart of people to find answers, to find healing, to find solutions, right? Even in recent like, uh, like Grammy Awards and, or different things where there was just an acceleration of confusion and even specifically Satan worship within some of those settings. Now, obviously that's evil. We need to maybe, we need to in certain settings speak against it. Having said that, to me, when you look around and you see the, the pain of the world that's around us, allow it to actually remind you that, wow, people are seeking a supernatural solution, right? They, they're looking outside of themselves. It's why horror movies do so well. It scares the heck out of people, but also it's intriguing because it's supernatural and dynamic. I don't really like them, but I did go see two in my lifetime. But I found out that most horror films use the Bible as the basis of their narrative because it's the best book out there. So it was several, the, the two that I saw opened with scriptures. The first one opened with the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? And the whole movie narrative was that uh, the enemy was devouring people secretly one at a time. And then they found out why it was because of unforgiveness. As soon as the people started forgiving those that hurt them, the devil couldn't touch them. And I was like, well, this is basically the Bible. This is crazy. I was like, they're sneaking in the gospel in a horror film. I'm not endorsing that genre, but I'm just saying it's very interesting that the hunger of people and even the extreme perversion in the world that today they're, they're confused, they're looking for answers, or they're looking for hope, they're looking to fill voids and pain and dysfunction that's on the inside of them. And I want us to, yes, and especially as a church, man, I'm speaking against stuff and I'm standing for truth and I'm resisting the devil and I'm about that. I'm 
I'm going to keep being about that. But I want us to equally understand the dynamic that's going on here. While I'm resisting the devil, I also need to realize that there's a person that is most of the time being manipulated by the devil. And that person is just heart hurting, hungry, lost broken and desperate for truth, right? And and seeking some type of answer. They may not know what they're looking for, right? They may even, they may even be acting out against religion as a general concept. They don't realize the hunger. They don't realize what's drawing them. They don't realize the thing that they really need is Jesus, right? And so in, in Zacchaeus' scenario, he was, he had uh, he was a sinful man. He had rejected God's people. And here he is looking for a glimpse of Jesus, right? And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, said, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful or ready or ripe, but the workers are few, right? So we got to be careful that we don't put the people in our world into some sort of like unreachable category that Jesus has not put them in. Right? Guess what? Your school, your college, your workplace, it's ripe. It's ready. It's ready for harvest. People need Jesus. They need answers. They're ready to respond to the goodness of God. They're ready to respond to the truth of God. Right? I mean, not everybody is going to. That's reality. Not everyone's going to turn to Christ. Some people are going to hate God, and they're going to go to their grave hating God and resisting God, and that is the saddest thing in the world, but that's the reality. There's some people who will never turn and say yes to Christ, but that doesn't change my responsibility to keep bringing good news, right? And keep trying to reach out and keep trying to point people back to Christ and keep pointing their eyes back to it. But for the most part in in our community, the hurting, the brokenness, the dysfunctions are all indications of a hunger that's inside of them that they don't even oftentimes know themselves. And so they're seeking and looking to get a glimpse of truth, to get a glimpse of something that means something, right? And all the facades and all the fake and all the, you know, in the world that we live in, people are looking for something that feels real, right? And, and so this is our privilege to help people get a glimpse of Jesus, right? To get a visual of who Jesus is. Uh, here's another thing about Zacchaeus' story. Something was blocking his view of Jesus, right? So think about that in light of people uh, hurt and pain that people go through, right? Abuses that people go through. Sometimes people want Jesus or they, they, they need this connection with their heavenly father, but, but something's blocking their view. It could be hurt. It could be pain. Uh, it could be past religious experiences, right? Um, you know, the, uh, Katie, uh, Mercedes, our oldest daughter, is in, you're back in her soccer season. And so one of the dads I'm, you know, chatting with, you know, on the sidelines is, you know, um, we're talking about, he was, you know, every, every dad, every guy in those settings always gets to, so what do you do? You know what I mean? And, and I love it. I love it because it's just like this easy layup for me, you know what I mean? Uh, to lead him towards uh, talking about Jesus and inviting him to church. I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor of the church. I just love saying it like it's not even a thing. And then just watching them like start like tweaking out a little bit. And then they always like evaluate how many cuss words did I just say in the last five minutes of this conversation. Uh, but, but I, uh, you know, I'm talking about church and he goes, ah, oh, you know, I, I don't really go to church. I, I was religious as a kid or, 
You know, a lot of times religion, dead, horrible, boring, dry religion has put a view in so many people's mouth or, or, or their, their view of God. And so religion actually blocks them from Jesus, right? And so that's why sometimes, man, someone's like, well, I grew up Catholic. I don't really do church anymore. But like, come on, just try it. Come on, just, it's not going to be what you think. You know, I grew up Lutheran and I just, come on. It's not, just come. Just come to church, come hang out. I'm telling you, it's going to be a different experience than you've had before. And allow, help them get past that to actually meeting Jesus. Uh, you know, sometimes literally it'll be satanic influence. You ever try to invite somebody like 10 times and every time they try to come to church, they're like flat tire, kids sick, house burns down. I mean, like something, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, like they can just never come to church with you, you know? Uh, well, okay, the enemy doesn't want them in church. They don't, you don't want them getting a view. You don't want them getting a glimpse of Jesus, getting an opportunity to encounter God. And so sometimes we got to pray and intercede on behalf of those people we're inviting to come against the work of the enemy that would try to stop them from making it, right? Like I got a couple neighbors right now, who, you know, the wife's sick and they, or the kid's sick and they couldn't come today. And it's like, okay, I'm going to keep inviting, and, but I got to pray against the work of the enemy that would try to sabotage and try to mess with them, right? Um, so, uh, cultural lies can block, right? People's view, even lies about God. God isn't good or, uh, you know, all religions point to God. So what does it really matter? Right? Like, uh, there are all these kinds of lies that can kind of come at culture to get people to, uh, not be able to see Jesus. Right? So we got to help, help dismantle that. We'll just talk about in a second. So then Zacchaeus, uh, also he used what was close to him to see Jesus, I was, as I was reflecting on the story, I, I was kind of felt God reminded me of this, is that he needed to see Jesus. There was something blocking his view, and he went to a tree that was near to be able to climb up and get a view of Jesus. And I just felt like God was reminding us that, guess what? That's you and me. You and me are the sycamore tree right? We're the sycamore tree that's going to help people see Jesus, right? We are not Jesus. We are not the saviors of our friends and coworkers and of the planet. There's only one savior. Our job is to help people see him, right? And so I, God has positioned you right where you're at. I, oftentimes I'm convicted of that from time to time where I'll, I'll get, have gotten such a routine with my neighbors. All right, what's up? Just waving as I come in and out of the driveways and in and out of the garages and not really realizing, wait a second, maybe I'm the sycamore tree for a neighbor, and, and here I am so busy and so distracted with my life that I don't ever kind of go like, hey, I'll give you a boost. You know what I'm saying? Hey, let me help boost you up this tree so you can get a glimpse of Jesus, right? Like, and if I never do that, I, I'm really missing it. I, I think about it because, uh, you know, we've got some family members um, you know, Katie's brother-in-law or brothers who need Jesus, that they need an encounter with Christ in a really big way, right? They're away from God right now. And we're not always by them. We're going to encourage them and try to, you know, share faith and, and be, be a voice of truth to them. But one of the things I'm praying is, okay, God, is there somebody in their neighborhood that you could send to them? Come on, somebody at work. Come on, somebody, right? Well, guess what? There's probably somebody in my neighborhood that a family member from another state is praying and saying, God, could you just send somebody to my friends 
in, you know, to my, my daughter or to my son or to my nephew or whatever. And here I am right there just going like oblivious to the reality of my purpose in that moment, right? And God orchestrated for me to be there for such a time as this, right? And that's where that whole such a time as this is so powerful where Esther is like, man, I don't know. And because, you know, we can get like that. And Esther's thing was like, you know, saving the whole nation from extinction. So it's kind of a big deal. Uh, But that similar concept we can get in our heads about, it's like, ah, you know, like, what if I invite them and it's weird then? You know what I mean? What if I say something about Jesus and then they're uncomfortable and now we... You know, we can't share a beer anymore. You know what I mean? And, and then it's just weird because the backyard barbecues are not awkward because they keep offering me water because I know I'm a Christian. And it's just like, <laughs> like, you know, what, what if something happens, you know? And we just, we can't be real anymore and normal anymore. And, uh, or, or what if they just straight up like, uh, oh man, I can't believe you. You know, like, and just maybe they're angry at God or angry, you know? But it's like, but, but how could I possibly be silent, right, when God has put me in places that are specific to reach people that God is actively seeking and saving? So when God thought of our neighbors, Peter and Mari, he said, I want to save them. Who could I send to get close in their cul-de-sac where they would have to encounter a glimpse of me? Well, hopefully, God helping, that's going to be us, right? Hopefully, that's, that's us. Hopefully, we step up to that plate, and, and we're continuing to find ways to do that. And, you know, everywhere God's going to put us, I'm going to do my best to be able to help people encounter Christ, right? So uh, a couple things that we can do to help people or help our city see Jesus. Number one, help them destroy what's blocking them. 1 John 3, 8 says this, the one who uh, does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil or or to destroy the devil's work. So one of the things that when we think about People being blocked from seeing Jesus, sometimes it could be pains, hurts, addictions, habits, uh, demonic oppression, some type of a situation. Well, guess what? Let's do our best and not just be like, well, you know, I hope you have a better week. You know, uh, I know you're facing a lot. I know you're going through a lot of depression. And you know, I just, you know, we're just going to, you know, you know, keep your head up. It's like, ah, what? Like, if you can tell somebody is being tormented by the enemy right? If you can tell somebody is being messed with and they have something blocking their view of Jesus, right? Because there's something that's, you know, taking a hold of them. Let's be careful that we don't go mad. We got all this power. We have the Holy Spirit surging through us, right? We've been given authority on earth. Come on, let's break some chains off of people. Now, don't just start, you know, shaking their head and get weird to say, hey, would you like to get free from that? Hey, uh, you know that depression, that pill, that pill on the pill to chase the other symptom of the pill, it probably won't work. But I do have something that could. You know what I mean? I do have a better solution than that. You know what I mean? Hey, you know that relationship hopping you keep doing and you keep trying to find and fulfill, you know, the voids by the next guy or the next girl and the, you know, that's probably not going to do it. 
do what you think it's going to do. But I do know something that can help that. You know what I mean? Like, we've got answers and we've got power. <laughs> Let's use it. Let's help people get free. Let's help people see Jesus, right? The second thing we can do is bring them to Jesus, right? That seems pretty simple. But let's, let's lean in, especially as we're leading up to Easter. What a great season to invite and to bring people. Obviously, we can invite all year long, but this is a great run-up, right, where people are just more predisposed to going like, yeah, Easter, I'll go to church. You know what I mean? It's like just kind of in their head a little bit more, at least in America uh, it is. And so let's, let's lean into that and be inviting and be bringing and be setting it up and be praying for. And you don't have to wait till Easter to invite them to church, but like, let, let's just be, be intentional like the, the four friends of the paralytic who brought their friend to Jesus, literally ripped open a roof and lowered their friend through to get his healing. The question is, what could we do that could be like that a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, okay, what do we got to do a little extra mile to invite? to bring, to promise lunch, you know what I'm saying, to do something, you know, hey, let's hang out, hey, I'll pick you up on the way, hey, you know, whatever we got to do, let's bring people to that place, because again, we are not the saviors, we don't do the saving, we don't do that part, what we get to be is the conduit that connects people to that, right, and that's our, our privilege and responsibility, but I want to be that sycamore tree that actually helps people encounter Christ, and not just kind of get caught looking when I'm on the job, and you got somebody kind of bobbing, trying to see over top of the heads to get a glimpse of Jesus, and I'm just going, man, I wonder where that dude's like, you know, bouncing all over the place, they might, need, they might need some Ritalin or something like that. They're just bouncing. They're trying to, no, they, they're, they're need, they need help. They need help seeing Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to get them over the line, right? I'm going to help get them over the line so they can see, amen? Um, here, here's the last thing. Have the team come up here. We'll close it out. Um, tell, tell people what you see and what you've experienced, what you've seen, what you what you see now, what you have seen. You know, there there's a there's a quote by Saint Francis. Is it is it like a CC? Is it like yeah? Um, I'm sure there was a lot of great things he said. This one thing he said, I only kind of agree with, and it kind of agitates me because a lot of Christians have used it to be passive. And the the quote is. He probably was speaking this quote out of reaction to something in culture at the time, so I'll give him some grace on it. But, but his quote was, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And I just, I hate that. I literally hate that quote. Here's why. Because most of people don't need help. Most, most people don't need to be discouraged to talk less about Jesus, right? Um, Yes, your life needs to match your words, but most of the times people use that as an excuse to not say something. Oh, you know, I don't really like to post about Jesus on my social. I'll just let my life. I don't really want to post about, hey, come with me to church. I'll just let my life. It's like, well, are you ever going to say anything? Are you ever going to tell anybody about Jesus or you're just going to hope they read through the lines all the time, forever? And you're on your deathbed and you're like, well, couldn't you see Jesus in my life? What? Tell somebody. Let them know. Right? And 
there's one of the most powerful stories here in Mark um, chapter five, where Jesus has just set this young man incredibly free. He was the one who was filled with legion as in many, many demons, right? Had just riddled this guy and, and it had destroyed him. It made him insane. It had made him unable to cope in society. He was an outcast. Jesus comes to the shore, sets him free. It's amazing, right? It's beautiful. And there's absolute freedom now. And naturally, this dude's like, okay, Jesus, you and me for life. Let's go. I'm following you. Jesus, the disciples jump in the boat, ready to head back. This dude's like, all right, I'm in. Step aside, Peter. I'm in this boat too. We're going to have to rewrite the narrative. There's now 13 disciples. Let's go. I'm in. And Jesus does something unique. And I think it's really what he's telling all of us. Mark 5, 19, Jesus did not let him go with him. He said, but said, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you, right? And to me, this is the sum total. This is what evangelism is. Tell the story of what Jesus did in your life. And here's the thing I love that God showed me about like a witness, right? The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes on us to be his witnesses, right? The great thing about a witness, right? And Dominic can confirm. Okay, so the great thing about a witness is a witness doesn't have to know all the answers. They just have to tell what they know. Tell what they've seen. Tell what they've experienced. Tell their perspective. That's why they're up there. Now, if you have an expert witness that's speaking about something specific, that's a different conversation. But in general, the witness says, hey, you were there that night. What happened? Ah, oh, well, I don't know everything that happened, but I will tell you what I do know. That's sharing your faith. When someone goes, well, how come, you know, bad things happen? Uh, I don't know, but um, I will tell you what God did in my life. And how, how come so-and-so pastor, you know, freaked out and, and, and ran out on his wife and, and, you know, is caught in some scandal? Shoot, I don't know. That sounds horrible, but I will tell you what he did in my life. I'll tell you what God did in my life. You know what I mean? That's, that's the story. That's what we get to do with people. And I would encourage you, use every platform available to you to tell that story. Social media, talk about your story. I was saying this in the first service, but I think this could be kind of an idea. Sometimes, maybe you've been, it's been so long since you've been saved, the people maybe now that follow you or in your world may not have a current, have not been told recently how you came to Christ in the first place, right? Like, what was that conversion for you? When did you give your life to Christ? What did he do in your life? How did he set you free and how has he been good to you, Right? So maybe this is a great week to tell that story again. Go on social media, get in different platforms, share in a way that retells the story of the goodness of God, the saving grace, the power, and how he's been good. How did he set you free from that addiction? How did he heal you from that broken heart? How did he you know, heal you from that disease? What did he do in your life? Tell the story. That's the most powerful thing that you can do. I think about this guy. He didn't have a Bible college degree. He was not with Jesus very long. You know what I mean? There could have been a ton of theology questions people would have asked him. He'd be like, man, I, honestly, I don't know. All I know is like I was super messed up. Jesus showed up and now I'm free, okay? That's my story. That's, that's what I know, right? That's what I know. 
And, and this is what Carlsbad needs. This is what Bressy Ranch needs. This is what Encinitas needs. This is what our region, and of course, anyone listening to this podcast later from any one of our campuses, it's what your city needs, right? It's what our region needs. It's what people need, right? They need believers who've been experienced Jesus to tell the story of how good God has been, right? And when you do that, man, they're going to be like, I want to, I need a glimpse of that. I want to experience that Jesus. Man, you say church, 9 a.m. is a little early. How about the 11? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, hey, you said brunch before or lunch after? I'm in. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, they're interested. Your life should, you're not going to be perfect, and that's okay, but your life should, as best we can, right, congruent with our words, line up with our words, but use your words. Don't just wait for them to read between the lines of your, your life, right? Use your words. Combine with your life and call people to Jesus. Tell people about how he's been good to you. Tell the story of how he rescued you. Tell the story of transformation. And watch how we reach this city, amen? You, you know, um, uh, I love that new faces. You know, the, these rooms have been getting fuller in both services. But you know what? Even though it's nice to have a couple seats in between because it's like to spread out a little bit, I hate open seats. I hate them. You want to know why? Because that's the Zacchaeus that needs a glimpse of Jesus, right? These, we need to fill these up. We need to fill these up, right? And that's going to fill up just by you and me living our life, breaking the power of the enemy over people, helping people see Jesus, bringing them to the foot of the cross, right? And this is how their lives get transformed. And, uh, and then, you know, you know, being a part of Wake, and we're having a lot of fun doing that, <laughs> right? We're going to enjoy the journey along the way as we get a chance to point people to Christ and engage the presence of God. But our city wants to see Jesus, and we get the privilege to help them see him, right? Amen? Amen. Let's stand, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray together. Why don't you lift up your hands, and I want to kind of repray that Acts 1.8 about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us to be witnesses. Because that's what we want to see this week, this month, the rest of our lives. God, use us as a witness of your goodness, a witness of your grace, a witness of, of your truth, a witness of, of how you've been good to us. God, you have been good to us. You have been faithful. You have restored us and you've healed us and you set us free and you saved us and you rescued us out of the power of the enemy and brought us back to the, being a child of the light. God, we thank you for that. And we're going to tell our story of your goodness. And we're going to tell our story again and again and again. And we are going to amplify the goodness of God throughout it. God, I pray for the Zacchaeuses that you put in our life. Maybe they're sitting next to us at work. Maybe they're across the street in our cul-de-sac. Maybe they are on a sporting team with us. Maybe they're in, in class with us. Whatever the scenario might be, God, help us to not sit idly by while Zacchaeus is trying to see and us not give them a boost to get a view of Jesus. God, we thank you for that. Use our lives. You called us for such a time as this into our city and into our region. God, give me the right words to speak to 
the other dads on the side of the field at the soccer games. God, give me the right words to say to my neighbors and, and the encouragement that I can bring and to the different restaurants and baristas that we connect with consistently. God, give me the right words to say to bring them to you and to tell the story of your goodness. God, we love you. Pray your Holy Spirit would empower each and every one of us with your spirit to be your witnesses in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Just for a few moments, let's just pray for a couple friends, family members that come to mind that don't know Christ right now. We just take a second and pray for them. Pray that their heart is open. Pray that those things that are blocking them from seeing Jesus would be taken away. They'd encounter the love of God right now. In Jesus' name, come on. Call out their name. Lift them up in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for family and loved ones and friends and coworkers that don't know you. God, help us. Help us to share the love of Christ with them. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. You know, real quickly, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed still, before we, we head out, I just want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're in this place, and over these last few moments, this has been your glimpse of Jesus. This has been your moment, right, where maybe you just came on your own. Maybe you've been coming for a bit. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe a friend just brought you, and you're like, oh, shoot, now I didn't realize what he was doing trying to get me to get a glimpse of Jesus. My question is, if you have, do you, do you want him to come into your life? Like Zacchaeus, he invited him over to his house, he had a meal, and everything changed. His heart completely shifted. And that's what I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. If you look at your life and you know you're not close to God, you've never given your life to him, you've never allowed him to forgive you of your sins and accepted his grace for your life, you don't have to leave here without doing that. This can be your moment to surrender your life to Christ. So on the count of three, you say, Samuel, pray with me. I want to give my life to God. I need him to forgive my sins. I want, to, I want this to be the beginning of a surrendered life, of him saving me, healing me, forgiving me, and bringing me close. Then on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm praying with. One, two, three. Just go ahead and lift up your hand. Great. Awesome. Anybody else who say, that's me? Lift up nice and high so I know who I'm praying with. Okay. Anybody else who say, that's me? Great. So good. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray along with those who just prayed that prayer or lifted their hands. The hand, Lifting of the hand is not the magical part. <laughs> like, makes you a Christian. It's... A, declaration so we can agree with you, but really it's your heart reaching out to Jesus to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. So we're all going to pray this. Everyone pray this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raise him from the dead to give me life. Today, I turn from my sin and my way and I follow you with all my heart. Jesus, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. 
Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.